Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry, and this week, one of the most highly anticipated movies of 2020 is finally here. I'm Jeff Braun. Yes, it's Tenet, and I ran out to see what it was all about. And I'd still like to know what it's all about. Also, I started watching a show on Netflix, and I can't believe how good it is. In fact, it strikes hard and shows no mercy. It's the continuation of The Karate Kid. It's Cobra Kai. Sweep the leg, Brett. Finish him. After, <laughs> after months of announcements delaying its arrival in theaters, Christopher Nolan's Tenet is now in theaters, and I saw it this week. To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. All I have for you is a word. It'll open the right doors, some of the wrong ones too. Use it carefully. Tenet. Experience it in IMAX, only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Oof, now this is going to be a bit of a weird review, Brett. I saw the movie last night, but I'm still not sure if I think it's good. I would suggest the fact that I don't know, that I'm not sure, probably means it isn't, but we'll get to that. So, what is Tenet? The trailers are very vague on the plot of this movie. It looks like an action movie with some weird time-bendy stuff. There are a lot of shots showing things going backwards, like gunfights and car crashes happening in reverse. It's less a straight action movie, though, than a spy thriller, I would say, but it's also not a spy thriller in any sort of conventional way. I did find it all pretty confusing. Tenet stars John David Washington as the main guy. He's a CIA operative tasked with investigating something called Tenet. There's much talk of saving the world. They explain the backward stuff near the beginning of the movie. I won't try to explain it for minor spoiler reasons, but also because while I did get the gist of it, I would be lying if I said I really had it all figured out. But that's okay, though, question mark. I mean, the person who explains it to John David Washington at the beginning of the movie also tells him not to think about it too much, just go with it. A clever plot device to keep the audience from poking holes in what you've come up with. Movies that involve time travel or bending time, of course, inevitably don't stand up against a whole lot of scrutiny. They say Back to the Future holds up the best, but even that has... You know, the questionable business about Marty's family photo that starts fading. So there's some paradox stuff here that is discussed, but it's by no means the focus of the movie or anything. John David Washington teams up with Robert Pattinson, who's also in the business. Their investigation has them get in, into it with a, an arms dealer played by Kenneth Branagh and his innocent bystander wife uh, played by Elizabeth Debicki. The acting is good all around except for Kenneth Branagh, who has this Russian accent. But it's the sort of Russian accent you hear on Saturday Night Live. He's chewing scenery, and a lot of the time it just sort of sticks out like a sore thumb in this movie. Everyone else, though, is great. And i got to say, John David Washington is my favorite new actor of the last few years. There's just something about the way he carries himself that is appealing. Just his natural charisma, his screen presence. Uh, I hope he's in a lot of good movies for years to come because he deserves it. And I've noticed there's like two moments in every movie that he's in where you can sort of see a flash of Denzel Washington. Denzel's his dad, by the way. Uh, John David Washington is very much his own self, but every now and then he'll use some gesture or a head tilt or some kind of body language that looks exactly like Denzel. I think this is the first movie I've ever seen with Robert Pattinson, to be honest. I watched maybe 20 minutes of one of the Twilight movies, but I think that's the only time I've ever seen that guy actually 
in a movie before. I enjoy this performance. I look forward to his Batman next year. We'll talk about that a little later in the show. The main problem with Kenneth, though, is the exposition. Spy thrillers have a lot of it, of course. Time-bendy movies have a lot of it, of course. And for it all to work, it has to be laid out so the audience can understand what is happening. And it helps if it's, you know, entertaining. That's one of the things Back to the Future does so well. There is a lot of explaining that needs to be done in Back to the Future, and there's never been a better character than Dr. Emma Brown to do it. He speaks logically, coherently, and boy, is he ever entertaining to watch. His facial expressions alone make the character. And 90% of everything Doc Brown says in those movies is explaining the rules of time travel in that world, but you don't think of him as just the exposition fairy. He's a full-fledged character into himself and highly entertaining. Kenneth, on the other hand, takes a different route. They just launch into everything right from the jump. I would say in the first hour, it feels like every second scene is missing because there's all these connecting things that just don't happen. They just bop, bop, bop from one thing to another. And new characters are racing through their dialogue, explaining the spy story and all the little details. You never really get time to sit there and digest it for a moment. It just keeps on going on to the next thing, not allowing you to catch up. This will be a good thing, you know, the tenth time we we'll watch the movie, because we won't be interested in that sort of stuff, because I'll already know it and won't need all the exposition. But for the first time, though, I found it overwhelming. And you know what doesn't help? All the masks. It's almost freaky, given how much, you know, we see and hear about masks in real life these days. That this movie has so many different face coverings, as a lot of Nolan movies do, mostly involving Tom Hardy. And honestly, after the snafu with Bane's voice before The Dark Knight Rises came out, you'd think Christopher Nolan would have learned his lesson. Instead, here, the characters will don masks of some sort, usually so they can breathe from time to time, and then they'll have important conversations with them on that are muffled, and you can't really hear what they're saying. Or they'll be on a catamaran chopping through the waves of the ocean, and all you can hear is the pounding surf instead of the important details. Who has an important conversation on the catamaran to begin with? I missed a lot of the dialogue in this movie. At first, I thought it was my ears, honestly. I was like, oh my god, I need to go get my ears checked. I know my hearing isn't what it used to be. But I was at the movies last week, and I caught all the dialogue just fine. So this was kind of frustrating. The sound effects, on the other hand, were spectacular as was the score, the typical Nolan score that's, you know, relentlessly driving and has some loud bombs in it, just like the Inception score. That's cool. This thing's going to win the Oscar for the sound effects, for sure. Visually, I found it stunning as well. I would say, if you go see it in theater, spring for the extra couple bucks and go see it in an IMAX theater. I wish I had done that. Even though, for all my gripes about the dialogue, there were scenes and moments I really dug, as well as the performances and what I picked up of, you know, the brain-melting sci-fi premises. Again, I did get the gist of the story, but it would take a rewatch to nail it all down. And that raises an interesting question. Is a movie good if you, you know, can't take it all in in one viewing? I know I like a lot of Coen Brothers movies the first time I see them and then love them the second time around. A lot of really good movies reveal more layers on repeated viewings. But here, uh, that may happen, but... Should you also, you know, enjoy the first viewing? I would think so. I was exhausted trying to follow along. It zapped my energy and attention. Uh, and it sort of kept me from being able to honestly say that I enjoyed myself, even though there were a lot of cool things in it. Like I said, I think John David Washington is always just terrific. He kind of saved the movie for me. So who knows? Maybe I'll see it again and it will reveal itself to be brilliant or at least very clever. I don't think there's anything really deep here like some people seem to see in movies like Inception or Interstellar. For me, 
Nolan's best movies are still the Dark Knight trilogy and The Prestige. So I'll tentatively give Tenet three couch cushions out of five, Brett, and add the caveat that if you're looking for just a fun, mindless night at the movies, I would not recommend it. But if you want something more challenging, go for it. So that's Tenet. All right. First of all, is your neighbor cutting the grass or something? Yeah, I live in a condo and they, they come by this time every week to mow the lawn. And wouldn't you know, I forgot to shut the door. <laughs> Jeff Braun, of course, is working from home these days. And, Did it uh, drown me out too much? Oh, oh no, it was just it was just kind of in the background. All right. <laughs> and it kept getting closer and closer <laughs> as the, the review went along. Uh, how long is this movie, by the way? Okay, you know what? I'll give you points for that. I think it's like two and a half hours close to it. It okay. flew by in seconds flat. I couldn't believe, just like uh, last week with Unhinged, the pacing was really good. Like it, it just trucks right through, and the next thing you know, the movie's over. Okay. I mean, Unhinged was only 90 minutes, but this was long, did not feel long at all. So a couple of things. Uh, John David Washington, I would agree, he has really emerged as one of the uh, the new IT guys. He was in the show Ballers, that football show starring The oh, Rock. Yeah. And right. he played one of the main characters, and I thought, this guy's really good. I didn't know he was Denzel Washington's son until halfway through the second season, I think. Um, but in hindsight, once I knew that, once I made that connection, I thought, that's it. That's what it is about this guy that that sort of stands out, because he really does like you have a lot yeah. of his dad's characteristics. So yeah, John well, David Washington is great, and he was awesome in that, uh, what was that Spike Lee movie, Black Klansman? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, honestly, the guy's got one of the best actors of all time as, you know, for free acting tips and lessons whenever he wants. <laughs> yeah. It's not fair. Uh, <laughs> you also mentioned the snafu with Bane, and, oh. and uh, you referenced how the, we're always talking about masks. I just, I got to play some of this. There's a channel on YouTube called Oral Knots. It's spelled A-U-R-A-L-N-A-U-T-S. And they just, they basically do overdub things, or they, they dub new voices over movie scenes. They often do... They get Kylo Ren to review the Star Wars movies and offer his thoughts on various things. It's pretty, it's really funny actually. Yeah. Very, very well done. So this is the uh, the Bane outtakes the wear a mask edition. So I'm just gonna press play and see what happens here. Because I watched it the other day. Oh, got it. here we go. This is from The Dark Knight Rises. Why aren't you wearing a mask? <laughs> Answer him. I was asking you. Because I got antibodies. And you think this makes you immune? <laughs> what if I told you I just discovered a cure? And oh. you would never have to worry about wearing a mask ever again. <laughs> what, like a vaccine? I'm administering it now. <laughs> He's joking him. He's kidding. <laughs> That's the cure. He killed him. Oh, um, anyway, it goes on for like five and a half minutes. So if you want to watch it, it's pretty funny. He walks around saying things like, why aren't you social distancing? It's very, very well done. And it's a, it kind of made me want to watch The Dark Knight Rises again. So yeah. on the subject of Christopher Nolan movies, you mentioned The Dark Knight uh, trilogy and The Prestige. I always forget about The Prestige. I need to go back and watch that. I have been meaning to watch that again for years. I've only watched it once. I then went out and bought it on Blu-ray, and I never bothered to oh. watch it. 
Oh, you have it? Oh, yeah. You should definitely watch it again. You've, so you've only seen it the one time? One time. Because yeah. that's a thing that's got, you know, a couple of insane twists along the way, right near the end or whatever, that on second viewing, when you know what the deal is, it kind of changes a lot of stuff. It's cool. But when you think of modern filmmakers, is there any filmmaker out there who likes the mind-bendy, twisty stuff as much as this guy? Like, when you go through his body of work, have you ever seen Memento? Yep. Awesome movie with one of the greatest endings, I think, of all time. And that's Uh, told backwards, right? It's kind of told backwards and forwards. There's two timelines. One is being told backwards. The other is moving forward, and they they meet. So the ending is the middle of the story, I think. And it's just, it's so insanely well done and just gripping. So if you haven't watched Memento, watch that. It's just his favorite way to do things. Like, even in Batman Begins... The flashbacking and present day stuff is so, like, you're just taking different stuff from different timelines, plopping it in here and there, like, it's all out of sorts, but it really works well. And then, even with something like Dunkirk, which, you know, many filmmakers would take the Dunkirk story as just a sort of a straight ahead World War II movie kind of story. But then, even with that, he chops that thing up into three different timelines that are all happening concurrently and then sort of meet at one spot right at the end. It's, it's just the way he likes to do things. He just cannot be bothered to tell a straight story in real time. But he certainly is a great filmmaker. I am looking forward to seeing Tenet. I will offer my thoughts on that next week. Should point out uh, the early uh, grade on Rotten Tomatoes is 83%, and they sum it up as a visually dazzling puzzle for film lovers to unlock. <laughs> Tenet serves up all the cerebral spectacle audiences expect from a Christopher Nolan production. We mentioned The Dark Knight up next. We got to talk about that new trailer that came out this week for the batman you're listening to the couch potatoes welcome back to the couch potatoes i'm jeff he's brett we're going to talk some dc extended universe stuff now and the first trailer was released this week for next year's the batman from your secret friend who play a game just me and you any of this mean anything to you so we get our first look at robert pattinson as the batman and the bruce wayne looks like it'll be a good fit remember when it used to be you know a federal case when a new batman was chosen this time not so much for one bigger fish to fry in the world right now i guess and two there's been so many batman movies at this point it's just like who cares same as spider-man affleck was good but it looks like pattinson will be just fine the villains a few big names we haven't seen in batman movies in a long time there's the riddler played by paul dano the penguin played by colin farrell and catwoman played by zoe kravitz that's a lot of villains all in one shot and that has brought down other batman movies before so we'll see the movie also stars jeffrey wright as commissioner gordon John Turturro as the gangster Carmine Falcone and Andy Serkis as Alfred the Butler. Why is he writing to you? If you are justice, please do not lie. What is the price for your blind eye? The hell are you supposed to be? Uh, 
vengeance. The trailer's all pretty vague, of course, other than to give us the vibe, and guess what? It's dark and gritty, like all the Batman movies. We see him beat the tar out of some poor baddie, a baddie who's dressed like a clown, and a group of other baddies who are dressed like clowns. I wonder, are they the Joker's henchmen, perhaps? It ends with a 2021 flashed across the screen, except the twos are question marks, Riddler style. Also maybe, you know, hedging their bets about the release date, given the uncertainty in the film industry about production and theater releases. The Batman originally was supposed to be directed by and star Ben Affleck, but that fell apart in pieces the past few years. And now it's actually not connected to those other DCEU movies, which is probably for the best. Hopefully this thing's a killer and launches a new standalone trilogy. You're part of this, too. How am I part of this? You'll see. Okay, we got to talk a little bit more about the Batman trailer and a whole bunch of stuff that came out of the DC Fandom event this past weekend. Lots of cool stuff. I'm really excited about the DC movie universe right now. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Hi, Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. A few moments ago, we heard from the trailer for The Batman, which was the biggest thing that came out of DC Fandom this past Saturday, which by all accounts is now the gold standard for virtual events. They pulled in 22 million viewers through the day for this event, and uh, DC Fandom was trending over the weekend. I know The Batman was trending, and uh, Wonder Woman 84 was trending and Justice League and the Suicide Squad. I think these trailers they released got 150 million views combined. We, and we are going to tell you more about WW84 in a moment. But the Batman, you, you make a good point about the fact that people are not freaking out about Robert Pattinson playing Batman the yeah. way that uh, they freaked out about Ben Affleck. Because you're right, there have been so many movies at this point. They're all good. <laughs> I think that... I don't know that there's been a bad Batman. The only movie I haven't seen all the way through is Batman and Robin. Have you okay. seen it all the way through? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it's not good. I don't know. Watched. I've seen bits and pieces of it every like twice a year. I'll watch ten or fifteen minutes of it, just coming across it on TV somewhere, and it's just. It's like, I can't be as bad as we all say it is. And it's like, yep, it's as bad as we all say it is. And I feel bad for Clooney because. He's a good Bruce Wayne Batman. He's just got stuck with like the worst of the movies. Yeah, that's right. The movie is terrible. But in terms of the guys who have all played Batman, I think they've all brought uh, their own... They're, they're all good in their own way. I really yeah. liked Ben Affleck as Batman, uh, but I also liked uh, Christian Bale and Michael Keaton and Val Kilmer. And now Robert Pattinson looks great. And I think it's cool, too, that Robert Pattinson... He, his career has taken an interesting turn, right? Because he... he uh, he first appeared, from what I remember, as Cedric Diggory in the Harry Potter movies, and then yeah. he shifted to Twilight, and then, of course, that was, I'm pretty sure all of the actors involved in that wanted to shed that Twilight skin, and he went off and made, for years, just made all these weird little independent movies, yeah. and was like playing really bizarre characters, and I think maybe it's earned him some cred, with the kind of people who would make fun of this sort of decision, and now they're like, you know what? He's uh, cut his teeth doing all these artsy films, and now he actually looks pretty cool as the Batman. So I'm stoked for that. And I didn't. I was wondering. I, I knew Colin Farrell was in the movie, but I forgot that he was playing the Penguin. So, and, and I like that uh, Jeffrey Wright is Commissioner Gordon because I've been rewatching Westworld, and I think oh, Jeffrey yeah. Wright might be my favorite part of that show. He's great. 
He's often my favorite part of whatever he's in. He's really good in Casino Royale, that James Bond movie. I loved him in The Hunger Games, and yeah, I'm excited to see him in this as well. And back to Colin Farrell for a second. They put on, like, prosthetic makeup on that guy. He is unrecognizable in this trailer. I spent three or four days, you know, kind of poking at different corners of the internet trying to because everyone's like wow look at him and I was like that's not him and I couldn't I couldn't figure out for sure if it was actually him or not but I guess it is so the Batman is going to be exciting also they released Jeff a uh, trailer for WW84 yeah, it's for, focused more on the bad guys this time around, the second trailer. And the bad guys here played by Pedro Pascal as Max Lord and Kristen Wiig as the Cheetah. Citizens of the world. I'm here to change your life. Anything you want. Anything you dream of, you can have it. Look like you saw ghosts. Diana, look at you. It's like now one day has passed. I don't want to be like anyone. I want to be an apex predator. And she does become one. We see Wig as Cheetah. I guess she somehow actually turns herself into a human cheetah hybrid. It'll draw cats comparisons, I'm sure. Uh, the footage, though, in the trailer is fast, and it's at night, so it actually looks pretty cool in the trailer. The movie is both a sequel and a prequel to 2017's Wonder Woman, which took place during World War II and also in 2017. This new one, of course, takes place in 1984. Double G and Captain Kirk reprising their roles, except uh, Captain Kirk died in the first one, didn't he, in the 40s? So I'm looking forward to them explaining his survival and the fact he's the same age. Technology has definitely changed a lot since the last time he flew a plane. The way I fly, they will never find us. I forgot to tell you. What? Radar. Will they, will they shoot at us? The 1984 of it all looks like a lot of fun as well. I'm really excited for this one as Wonder Woman, the first movie, has so far been, I think, the highlight of the DCEU for me. Wonder Woman 84 opens October 2nd. You know, I'm not so keen on this one. I figure uh, you are, but you know what? I'm ready to go. I think we can do better. Parachute pants? Yeah. Um... Does, it, does everybody parachute now? Another thing that came <laughs> out of this... Uh, oh, go ahead, Jeff. Uh, it's a, such a stupid joke at the end there, but it makes me laugh every time. Yeah. I, parachute pants. Yeah, yeah I, I think it's great <laughs> that he's back. I was so sad at the end of that first one. Yeah. When What's his name? The character's name. Isn't it like Steve Trevor? It's something weird like that. I just yeah. call him Captain Kirk all the time. Captain Kirk, yeah. But I was so sad when he died. So when I saw he was coming back, I, I thought, you know what? I don't care. Like that's It's such a comic book thing. They always bring people back from the dead. There are so many characters yeah, yeah, yeah. who have died over Captain and over America. and over again. Yeah. Uh, the Human Torch, I think, has died multiple times in the comic books. They always find a way to, to bring them back. But they apparently everybody is also excited about the Flash movie uh, because that is finally moving forward. And they're saying that's going to fix all the problems in the, the DCEU because they're doing the Flashpoint storyline, which has to do with time travel. And there are going to be multiple Batmans in this film. One of them is going to be Ben Affleck. He's going to reprise his role there. And Michael Keaton Oh. is going to play Batman as well. So that's going to be kind of neat. But uh, yeah. there's no footage for that. No, but that's it's cool that they've got plans, and uh, I wish they wouldn't say this is going to fix all our problems, because I think they said that right before Aquaman came out too. They keep saying it, but 
it, it's an uphill battle. They've, you know, they've, well, they've dug themselves a hole and they've still been trying to get out of it. But it does look promising. Everything so far that they've either shown us or announced for the future is getting the, you know, thumbs up for me. And of course, there was also the trailer, which had very little dialogue, but oh my goodness, this looks exciting. It's Justice League, the Snyder Cut. This guy's probably fought hundreds of thousands of other super beings on the other planets. He's destroyed, right? And we have to assume he's won. I don't care how many demons he's fought and how many hells. He's never fought us. Not us united. So if you haven't seen Justice League, that that movie was just sort of the culmination of a whole bunch of unfortunate events. Zack Snyder was the director, and he had to leave the production due to a family tragedy. So Joss Whedon was brought in to finish the job, and he made some changes, significant changes, and the studio was meddling, and then they, they said it's got to be two hours max because they were trying to make they were trying to maximize how many screenings they could get because they wanted to make X number of dollars but because the movie was garbage or not garbage but because the movie wasn't nearly as good as it could have been it didn't make the money because people went to see it once and didn't go back because a lot of these movies make their money because people go see it again yep. and oh, again yeah. and uh, I think there's an extended version of Justice League which I always wanted to watch but now they released this trailer at DC Fandom for the Snyder Cut which is finally happening they've been talking about this for years because he, he, apparently he had tons of footage and could have made his own movie and they're finally doing it and it looks like a different film like a completely unrecognizable film that's amazing that's sort of like uh the richard donner cut of superman 2 right yes yeah because he yeah. got fired uh, near the end, I think he actually had basically finished it, but they fired him and they brought someone else in to finish it and they changed all kinds of stuff and they added this just like complete nonsense that didn't make sense with the rest of the movie. So I've always wanted to watch that cut of Superman too. Yeah, yeah that's cool. I'm glad that they can, you know, justice for the Justice League, that they can right some of the wrongs. And it does feel like a lot of the problems with that Justice League were just, you know, Beyond anyone's control, because Snyder had to leave so abruptly and just without being able to, you know, tie up all sorts of whatever he was working on. Yeah, so that looks great. That's going to be out next year on HBO Max. So we will be able to see it in Canada. We won't have, as I believe, we won't have access to HBO Max, but I think it'll come through your HBO subscription and Crave, maybe, or I don't, I don't exactly know, but I do know we are going to be able to see it in Canada. Uh, that would really suck if we couldn't see it. And then there was also uh, a look-ahead trailer, a first look at the Suicide Squad, which uh, I still haven't seen the first Suicide Squad, nor have I seen the follow-up film, Birds of Prey, and the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, but I feel like I need to get caught up on the Suicide Squad, Suicide Squad stuff because it looks pretty cool. And you know what else is pretty cool? The continuation of The Karate Kid. I can't believe I'm saying it, but I love... A new show on Netflix this weekend. It's called Cobra Kai. I'll tell you why next. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett. He's Jeff. We are The Couch Potatoes. Before we talk about Cobra Kai, forgot to mention that Tenet is not the only new movie that is coming out this week, Jeff. No, we've also got uh, Marvel's The New Mutants. That's opening this weekend. It's out there now. And then on Tuesday, September 1st, it's Bill and Ted Face the Music in theaters, also on video on demand. I believe it costs $25 to kind of rent it at home, or you can go to the theater and see it. And I'm still 
blown away that uh, Keanu Reeves signed on to do that movie. That cracks me up to no end, and I, I do want to see it. I would have to rewatch the first two, though, because I've not seen them in, like, 30 years. Yeah, I remember very little about those films. I remember not really liking the second one nearly yep. as much. The Bogus Journey but, was not as good as The Excellent Adventure. But the soundtrack was killer. It's got an awesome heavy metal soundtrack. I got that cassette somewhere probably... <laughs> 15 feet away from me right now in a box. <laughs> Still got the cassettes. Attaboy. All right. As mentioned, new on Netflix this weekend. This is a must watch for anyone who is a fan of The Karate Kid, seasons one and two of Cobra Kai. Banzai! Daniel LaRusso here for LaRusso Auto. We are chopping prices on all of our inventory. Johnny? I knew it was you. This is Johnny Lawrence. He and I go way back. Oh, this is a guy who's ass kicked. If you want to get technical, I kicked his face. <laughs> 34 years after Daniel LaRusso defeated Johnny from the evil Cobra Kai dojo, the story continues in the present. This is a show, by the way, that was on YouTube Premium for a couple of years, but Netflix picked it up. Johnny is down on his luck. He works as a handyman, but he hates his job, hates his life. He's a drunk. His kid hates him. Everything about his life is trash. Also, he hasn't really evolved past that jerk teenager. He's kind of stuck in the 80s. He drives a Pontiac Firebird. He listens to 80s rock. He's still, not that there's anything wrong with 80s rock, but he still talks like a teenager from the 80s. He still makes fun of everybody and calls them bad names, like makes a lot of racist comments and sexist comments. He's just not, he's still not a good guy. But somehow, this show has made him sympathetic. I mean, this is really his show. And when everything really starts falling apart for him, he has an encounter with four teenagers who beat up his new neighbor, also a teenager. But he doesn't jump to the teen's defense when they're beating him up. He jumps in when they throw the kid on his car. And after they mouth off, he pulls out some karate and beats them up. And eventually his path crosses once again with his old nemesis, Daniel. I heard you beat up a bunch of teenagers. I didn't beat up any teenagers. I kicked the crap out of a bunch of assholes who deserved it. Thinks he can bring Cobra Kai back to the valley? Yeah. Not on my watch. You want those kids at school to keep dumping things on your head? You want all the girls to think you're a wackless dork? You're gonna be my karate teacher? No. I'm gonna be your sensei. So that encounter with the teens and his run-in with Daniel prompt him to say enough is enough, and he reopens the Cobra Kai Karate Dojo. Strike first. Strike hard, no mercy. Thanks to Netflix, we had preview access to the show. And in spite of the fact that I thought it was ridiculous when I first heard they were doing this a couple of years, so far it is amazing. I'm going to teach you the style of karate that was taught to me. A method of fighting your generation desperately needs. Okay, let's see what you got. She's a girl. And? I'm sorry. Oh, are you okay? What the? a natural cobra. Johnny, you and I, this, we aren't done. No, you're not done. You are not done. This, honestly, Jeff, this is a fascinating character study about a guy 
who was essentially like one one of the quintessential oh. villains of my childhood. Absolutely. It's him and Biff Tannen. And I think I was like actually a kid. I was actually afraid of Johnny LaRusso, even though, you know, he lived inside the VCR and the television. He scared me. I, I couldn't stand that guy. I think he... The actor, it probably hurt his career being that good at being a bad guy. Yeah, so I'm happy to see him coming back. And the show, like when this show debuted, it debuted to massive critical acclaim. And uh, But it's a fascinating story, character study because this guy, he's like hanging on to his former glory. And it's, so that's relatable because how many guys do we know like that who had nothing beyond their high school athletics, right? So how does that yep. carry with them when, when they, there is no more glory? His whole life is a train wreck. He's just this sorry, tragic figure. And they even managed to make Daniel, at least when we first encounter him, they make him look like a jerk. So we're rooting for Johnny in that circumstance. Ed Asner, by the way, has a funny cameo. Episode 2. It was neat to see the difference with Johnny and Daniel, right? Daniel's successful. He's got this smoking hot wife, a nice kid. And then he sees the Cobra Kai studio and wounds instantly reopen. So for both of these guys, when they revisit that time of their life, it's just instant fear, pain, uh, trauma. That's relatable as well for all of us. We all have those trigger moments where you go, oh, God, I just I don't want to think about that. But uh, I cannot recommend this show enough and it's also the high school stuff in it is super relatable like this is just a really well written show it's well acted it's so much fun here's a crappy thing about season three it is finished it's been shot post-production is done but netflix released a teaser this week saying it's not coming until next year because they want to let its audience grow with people watching the first two seasons so then they can release it to more hoopla next year. But seasons one and two, I'm four episodes in. I love it. Watch Cobra Kai. I promise you it has, it takes no mercy. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brad, he's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother.